Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. Okay, well, I'm trying to get hip with my titles, all right? And so tonight, the title is called Hashtag Current Situation. Is that, that's kind of cool. Hashtag Current Situation. All right. So I'm going to say, I'm going to start this, this off with this, all right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to read that again. I want you guys, I want you guys to read that with me. Can everybody see the, the board from where I'm standing? Kind of. Okay. Let's read this together. Okay. Our Father in heaven. Let's read this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so the other day I was scrolling through Instagram and um, a friend of mine had posted this this fire picture, okay? And I was instantly comparing myself, like I talked about a couple weeks ago, to his situation. I was thinking, man, I so wish I was there. It was awesome. Has anybody ever heard of Bali or Bali? Bali? Oh, what is it? Bali. Bali. Man. If y'all have never heard of Bali, don't do it now, but Google that later. It is beautiful, all right? It's the whitest sands in the world. These dude, this, this guy, it's a newlywed couple, friend of mine. They just got married. They're on their honeymoon, and their feet are in this white sand. There's legit, like, coconut trees with coconuts at the base of the tree, coconuts hanging from the tree, the, the whitest, clearest water you've ever seen in your life. It's awesome. Check Bali out. But so there's a bunch of hashtags, and I'm really just kind of learning about the hashtag thing. Um, and I'm learning you can click on those, and they bring you to stuff. And so I was clicking on hashtags, and there's hashtag Bali. Go check that out. Uh, hashtag honeymoon. Don't check that out. Hashtag the life. That's just kind of random. And then hashtag current situation. So I was like, oh, that's kind of like a cool lingo. You know, I get it. You know, like this current situation, bam. So I clicked current situation. And the first picture I saw was more like that, you know, um, beach pictures, all that good stuff. Then I saw this like fire ice cream sundae. Somebody took a picture of called, you know, hashtag current situation. Um, it had some not so good things on there. Hashtag current situation. It was it was just a, a plethora of things. But man, you know what I saw a lot of that really kind of grieved me was there was a lot of riot, like riots going on in cities and like um, a lot of um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, just really disunity, a lot of protests, like not peaceful protests, a lot of violent protests and just things going on around our country. And then it, it got me thinking about uh, this past year. We've kind of had a tough year when it comes to like tension and division and, and all those types of things. Has anybody seen that in here? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. How many people watch the news in here? Yeah. Wow. All right. A good bit of people. That's good. You're informed. So you, you've seen what I've seen. And so as I started, I started to have like this dialogue uh, with God about the current situation. And uh, as I'm driving, I, I talk. I talk to God, and if you didn't know that, you think I'm talking to myself. But I do talk out loud. And so I'm just talking out loud, and, and I, just asked, I just asked the Lord, you know, thinking on that, I thought, God, like, why, why is all that going on? You know, like, what is, you know, I'm, I'm, 20, I'm about to be 27, and, 
you know, man, I, I know like the older you get, the more aware of things you become. And so, uh, you know, things are, nothing's bad when you're a kid. But when you get older, you start to see the world in a different light. But I got to be honest with you guys, you know, from let's say the last 10, 12 years, 15 to now, it seems like things have gotten worse. You know, I don't remember growing up and seeing this much division in our country or seeing this much, uh, you know, man, cutthroat stuff on the news. And man, it was just kind of weighing me down. And so, you know, as I'm having this dialogue with God, um, you know, I said, hey, you know, God, why, why are we having such a disruption in our culture? And this verse came to my mind. And in Fusion, we've read this verse a bunch of times, but it says this in John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So then I asked the Holy Spirit, you know, all right, well, this came to my mind. That must be you, Lord. So how does how does that apply to the question I just asked you regarding division? Like, how does that make any sense and so God started to take me on this thought pattern, and I felt like the Lord kind of gave me this answer, and I summed it up in the words. I felt the Lord said, the God of this world, which is the enemy, Satan, is causing the opposite of what I've called you to do as Christians, and you're seeing it played out. He's causing division. And, you know, it didn't really surprise me, so to speak, so to speak, but what was clear is that God was trying to get my attention, that there's two visions, you know. Jesus, God has a vision for us, and so does the enemy. And that's really why he got thrown down from heaven. He had his own idea. He had his own agenda. He had his own vision. And that's where we get a different vision or a division. And so what we're seeing is division. And so thinking on hashtag current situation, um, I started to think about the different divisions. And so I'm going to list a couple of them. And if, if you got another one, I don't know if you're going to want to shout it out, but you can shout it out. Uh, just don't start an argument. Um, but, you know, I started thinking, man, how many areas have there been division in, in in our country? And so the first one's race. Man, we have seen such like racial division in the last year, more than I've ever seen in my life. We've seen division in gender. We've got different protests. One gender is better than another. And you know how when you're a kid, you, you joke, you know, girls rule, guys rule. Well, now... Man, that's becoming like a thing, like a, a legit thing out there. And I'm seeing that rare its head. There's gender identity. You know, people are, are identifying as a different gender than what they're born as or a different gender than what God created them to be. Um, sexual preference. I mean, people are, are changing that up, too. And, and there's there's division in that subject matter and um, economic status. You know, you're seeing, you know, the poorer people despise the richer people. Um, I don't know if you guys are into economics, but the middle class is is starting to diminish a little bit, and the the wealthy class is starting to get a little bigger, and the, and the poverty class is starting to get a little bigger, and and it's creating more of a tension in the middle. And so I'm I'm seeing that, and then I'm riding, and I thought, man, I just heard on the news how like there's so much to be said there's so much like attack on the younger generation or like the millennial generation and man i'm sitting there thinking and i thought lord there's even a, a generational division now like i, I didn't, never had that before you look at like the baby boomers the world war ii vets that age group and all the way down there's such a disconnect and then i felt like the lord say hey why are you so surprised by this and he says my word will, my word ha has told you that this will happen. And so, yeah, I get that. But this is the part that surprised me. And this is really going to be the focus point of my message tonight. 
What surprised me is not that the world acts like that. What's really grieving my heart is I'm seeing a lot of Christians act like that. And I'm seeing a lot of Christians pick a cause or one of those things I listed that the enemy is using as division and and that becomes their main thing. And they say like, yeah, I, I mean, I'm a Christian, but I'm this is my cause. Like I'm a Christian, but I'm this or I or I believe this or and and they're not focused on what's the what's the primary role that you're supposed to do as a Christian. And it's important that we talk about that. And so, um, you know, what I started to think was there's a lot of Christians that are calling right wrong and, and wrong right. And how many of you know, like, there are, you ever heard that phrase, um, truth is relative? Raise your hand if you've ever heard that before. Truth is relative. Okay, is it, does, that, does anybody actually know what that means? What that means is, and they teach us a lot in college, truth is relative. That means that what's true for me is true for me, but that might not be true for you. And I'll use an example. Like, this is, uh, this is water in here, right? I haven't even opened it yet. I promise there's nothing else. That, now it's open. This is water, okay? So someone might come up to me and say, but that might be true for you, but to me, that's that's syrup. And I could be like, no, this is, this is water. And we could go back and forth. And relative truth would say that I'm right and that person who thinks this is syrup is right, that we're both right. How many of you know that's crazy, right? Okay, so truth isn't relative. There, truth is absolute, which means there's only one thing, there can only be one thing that's true and everything else isn't true. Okay, and I'm going somewhere with this. So um, another example would be Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you take that word the out and put a, Jesus is a way, a truth, and a life, well then they take a lot of fighting out of the world, a lot of that stuff, a lot of disagreements. It's just the, it's the word the. It's exclusive. It's truth. And I kind of laugh when I get into these discussions because like, it's funny that that's even a discussion. Truth is relative because how would your math teacher feel if you said, I mean, I know you think I got that answer wrong, but that's true for you. That's just not true for me. Like, I, I think that's right. Right. Or what if like for those of you who work and pay taxes, like what would the IRS say if if we said, I know you say I owe all that tax money, but that's not true for me. Like, that's true for you. See, it's, it's funny, like we okay with truth being relative when it comes to spiritual things or moral things, but we're not okay when it comes to that, you know, or someone owed you money, ah, but that's not really true for me. You see how far this can go? So, but there are Christians doing that when it comes to morals and they're, and they're basing an agenda or a platform or they're getting behind a cause of, of, of either race, gender, gender identity, sexual preference, economic status, generational gaps, etc. And so I, I, really, I remember this verse. God warns us about this in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. He says, Destruction is certain for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. And so I want you to think of the current situation of, of our culture right now, both out of the church and in the church, as I'm going to read two scriptures, okay? 
The first scripture I'm going to read, and just be thinking about current hashtag current situation. Try to keep using that word. All right. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, we'll start in verse 1. I'm going to read a little bit of scripture here. So, But mark this. So he's saying, hey, you can bet on this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents as the generational thing, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So they, they rather all the stuff now rather than be lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with them. And so that was written thousands of years ago, and we're seeing that now. And then one more. This particular verse is written to the church, okay? To the church, and it says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting verse 9. It says, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. So let me pause. So notice Paul's telling people in church not to be deceived. Well, that's like going and saying, hey, don't touch that candle. It's hot. Why would you ever think to say that? Well, someone before must have touched that candle and you've seen the consequence. So right here he's saying, hey, don't be deceived. Clearly people are falling into these things that he's fixing to talk about, and they're being deceived into believing that they're okay. In other words, well, that might be true for some, but not true for me. This is morally right for some, but not morally right for me. These are the things Paul's talking about. He says, um, so do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And this is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. So he's saying like, hey guys, not trying to beat you up with, with sin here. I'm not trying to like rub your, rub your nose and how you a, you a filthy, dirty sinner, right? That's not what Paul is saying. But what Paul is saying is there's a difference in a struggle and, a con- and, and condoning and living out. And so it would be like this. Let's say that I struggle with lying. But let's say that I just say, hey, you know what? I don't care. I, don't know, I no longer struggle with lying. I'm just going to lie like I feel like it with no remorse. Well, it's not a struggle anymore. I've given into that lifestyle. Y'all follow so far? Okay, so what he's saying is don't be deceived. Don't give into that stuff. They're real temptations. But that doesn't mean that that's my truth and my morals. So if we're not careful, we can be deceived into buying into Satan's vision. And, and his vision is division, right? And, and we'll be pulled away from God's vision. And I'm, I'm taking this somewhere. You know, we can allow like our opinions. We all have opinions and that's good. God made us all unique and he made us to think like individuals. So we different people. We're diverse people. Diversity. I'm huge on that. I don't want a whole room of people just like me, right? And, um, and, and you know, you guys shouldn't want that either. Um, a, a lot of, a room full of me would be really annoying. But um, check out what James says. He says this in, in, in James 1. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. 
But each one is tempted when, right here, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. What's that mean? That means that we have an evil desire or a temptation and we have a choice in whether we choose to live that out. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my dear brother. So this begs the question, what is God's vision? It's clear that Satan's vision is to get us off of God's vision and to get us into division, right? That's a lot of vision wording. but So here's God's vision when I pray and seek the Lord. If I had to sum it up into two verses, this would be two verses that I think sum that up. Matthew chapter 6, we, we read this together earlier. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then in Mark 16, 15, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. So to sum it up, God has called us to his vision, which is to bring heaven on earth. And we're the people who's supposed to carry that out, right? In Revelations uh, chapter 5, starting in verse 9, it says, and they sang a new song. Let me pause real quick. The reason I'm reading this, I'm thinking like, okay, and I've mentioned this before, but if, if God has said, hey, I want you to bring heaven on earth, what's heaven look like? Like, I, I think it's important that we start to figure out like, all right, well, what are some attributes of heaven that I should be seeing active in my life or that I should be trying to bring into my area or my you know, current situation, if you will? And so this is just a snapshot of heaven. And they sang a new song. They're, they're praising Jesus. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your body or with your blood, you purchased men for God from, check this part out, from every tribe and language and people and nation. Every tribe and language and people and nation. I'll tell you what's so significant about that in a second. Let's keep reading. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. So they'll rule on earth. Okay, well, step back. Your, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He sent us to, to do that. He taught us to pray and ask that. And then he said that we need to go into all the ends of the earth. So, okay, they will reign on earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and elders, in a loud voice, they sang, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. So that's a snapshot of heaven. And so we're thinking about our vision here. Our vision is to, is to let the Lord bring or pray and ask God to bring his kingdom on earth just as it is in heaven. We see a little snapshot of heaven. Um. Remember the verse. We're going to watch a few videos. I got like three videos for you guys. But while you're watching this, I want you to think about something. I want you to think about the different areas of division that was shown uh, earlier. We talked about race, gender, age group, all these different things. So think about these different areas of division. That's the enemy's plan. And then I want you to think about um, what we just heard God's vision is and what, what we just read about heaven. So we got three videos. And then I'll hop back up here. Can everybody see with this thing in the way? What if I bring it down? How about that? You good? Okay. Away 
So thinking about the things that we, we talked about earlier, the division, you know what you didn't see in that video? Anybody having any kind of a racial problem? Nobody had any kind of a, a age group difference problem. You know, those that first video, you saw a guy singing, worshiping God on a secular television show in two languages. That second video, you saw a black guy with a white coach influencing an audience of people um, nationwide, worldwide, whoever's watching that. And I don't know if you guys have seen that stuff circulating on Facebook, but that last video, that was a teacher, and he's a cancer patient. He's, he's probably, that was like his last week um, to live. And like 700 students flooded the outside of this, this guy's house and just worshipped 
and led him in worship, like his last week on earth. And so let's read again. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 says, For every tribe and language and people and nation. Some of you might have heard this before, but that word nation means race. So when we get a snapshot of heaven, there is no racism in heaven. It's, it's every, every race. The word tribe is, is like your geographic location. So it doesn't matter if you're from this city or that city or this state or that state or this country or that country. Everybody worships the same in heaven. And when we see language, obviously that means language. But we just saw a snapshot of, man, this guy is a Hispanic guy. He's, he's worshiping in English and then he's worshiping in Spanish. What a picture of heaven. And so um, whenever I think about, um, man, what, what, what would be my job as, as, as a Christian? Would it be to join a, join a cause or would it be, what would be my job? Well, I believe this. I believe our job as a Christian, I think we're called to be the solution to the world's problems, not part of the world's problems. And I think the second we want to jump on one cause and not pursuing what God has told us to do, it doesn't make either any of those causes illegitimate. But when you jump on one, you can't be on all. And the thing about Jesus is he's for all things. He is for all unity. Matter of fact, the picture we just saw is like the most unifying thing you'll see on television. Um, Definitely not on the news, right? And so when I think about what we what we carry, man, we carry something that nobody else carries. The reality is only Jesus can do what we want to see done on this earth. And when we look at the current situation, so to speak, of our culture, only Jesus can fix that. There's not a law that can fix that. There's not a, a new group that can fix these issues. Only Jesus can fix these issues. And the good news is Jesus is the common ground. We don't have to join a group. We don't have to, to take a stance or a side on any, any divisive platform. All we got to do is come to Jesus. Who knows that song, um, What a Beautiful Name by Hillsong? Yeah, we sang it on, in church on Sunday a couple times. Well, man, I love this right here. It says, uh, it's one of the, I, don't know, I guess you'd call it a bridge or a, I really don't know what you'd call it, but it, it's in the song. It says, you didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great. Your love was greater. What could separate us now? Now I'm going to sing that. I'm just playing. So I love the line, Jesus, you brought heaven down. And so as I was pondering on that, I think I, think I love it so much because it highlights um, such an awesome truth. And it wasn't something that was just true when Jesus was walking the earth. It, it's still true today, but this is that truth. That when people encountered Jesus, they encountered heaven on earth. Let's say that again. When people encountered Jesus, they encountered heaven on earth. And today, when people encounter Jesus, they encounter heaven on earth. I'll prove it to you. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, the word already existed. He was with God and he was God. He was in the beginning with God. He created everything there is. Nothing exists that he didn't make. Life itself was in him. And this life gives light to everyone. The light shines through the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. 
Later on in verse 14, it says, so the word became human and lived here on earth among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the only son of the father. So everyone who encountered and encounters Jesus encounters heaven on earth. So let's take it a little further. All right. Jesus said that he would entrust us with the same power that he had and we would do the same things he did. So in theory, when people encounter us, they ought to encounter heaven on earth. I'll read that to you in John 14, verse 12. I tell you the truth. This is Jesus talking. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Later on in verse 26, he says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I've said to you. So, we might be surrounded by that current situation, right? Um, and that might be a little dark, but the good news is that power that Jesus is talking about, that's not just something to take lightly. We all have that. If, you, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus and he's the Lord of your life, then that's the same power that raised him from the dead when he died is the same power that lives inside of you. Some of us, some of us have heard that so much, it doesn't even matter to us. You know, and anyone can fall into that, me too. But that's why it's important that we continue to counter the pre- encounter the presence of God and see that power in action in our life. Matthew 5.14 says this, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So now that we know uh, that there are two visions and that one is God's vision and the other is the enemy's vision, we've got a choice to make. And so what grieved my heart so much earlier was, wow, it's not just that, that, you know, the world is acting this way, but Christians are jumping in that. So here's a choice. If we're going to serve God, we can't be doing that. If we're going to serve God, we've got to choose to follow God's vision. Because the Bible said something in Revelations that I didn't hit on, but it said that Jesus purchased men for God. What that means is that when you surrender your life to God, when you surrender your life to Jesus, he cleans your sins and he purchased you. They had a ransom on your life. And the only way you could pay it was to pay for your own sins. And that's that's called hell. But Jesus didn't like that. So he said, you know what, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to save I'm going to save my church. And so whenever he comes, that's the, that's the payoff. The other, the other deal to that is your life is not your own. Jesus bought you with a price. And so Joshua 24, 14 says this, and I want you guys to be thinking of getting on these divisive bandwagons or, or you know, all that type of stuff. And then what we're called to do as Christians, it says this, Joshua was talking to the Israel people. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods that your forefathers worshiped beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefather served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So again, 
we've got a choice to make when we're confronted with these, these divisive options in the world. Are we going to serve that and jump on those things? Or are we going to further God's agenda? Are we going to line up with what God's word says and the Holy Spirit says? Or are we going to line up with what our, the current situation or of our nation says? And so let's do, do me a favor. Y'all stand up. And I just want you to close your eyes. And I just want to ask you a couple questions. And, um, and answer them. Answer them honest. Um, how, are you, how are you helping your current situation? You know, whether that be at school or with your friends and sports or any of that stuff, how, how are you helping that? Are, are you playing what role, what vision are you, are you playing towards? Are you furthering God's vision? Or are you being a part of division? Just take a moment and ask yourself that. You know, we've got a responsibility to use our platform for the kingdom of God, not for worldly agendas. And, you know, I think that if we just focus on what the news has to say and we just focus on those other things, then we would do like I did at the beginning of this message and thought, well, golly, the current situation is terrible. But man, you know what? There's a lot of light in the world. And the, the three videos I showed you is that. So the news might show you more of the negative stuff, but the reality is there's a lot of positive out there, and we all got a platform. Some of you play baseball. Some of you wrestle. Some of you are in cheerleading. Some of you dance. Some of you are in homeschool groups. The list goes on and on. And you've got a platform. You've got an audience. You're influencing someone. Maybe it's an underclassman. Maybe it's a younger brother or cousin, somebody. And that's a responsibility. There's no way out of that. And so, you know, I've got an, another example we're going to play a video of, and, and everybody's going to know who this guy is. And, uh, man, he, he used his platform to, to spread the gospel, and he put that as priority above anything else. And, um, and this is just an example of what will happen when you use your platform. Uh, so let's check this out, and then I'll come back up. I want to ask you about one part of the book. When you talk about on your eye black, when you wrote 316 yeah. from the Bible, can you tell the people about the uncanny coincidence that happened in a press conference a few years later? Yeah, well, we were playing for the national championship um, in college on January 8, 2009, and I decided to wear John 3.16 under my eyes, and during the game, uh, 94 million people Googled John 3.16, and it was a pretty cool moment. Well, exactly three years later, we happened to be playing the Pittsburgh Steelers in the first round of the playoffs when I was with the Denver Broncos, and I didn't even know that it was exactly three years later. It was Jan uh, January 12th or January 8, 2012, exactly three years later to the day. I just went out there and tried to do whatever I could to win a playoff game. And afterwards, I'm going into the press conference because I love talking to the media. <laughs> and uh, our PR guy jumps in front of me, says, Timmy, did you realize what happened? I was like, yeah, we just beat the Steelers. We're going to play the Patriots. He was like, no, did you realize what happened? I was like, all right, Patrick, what's up? He said, it's exactly three years later from the day that you wore John 3.16 under your eyes. I was like, oh, that's really cool. He said, no, I don't think you realize what happened. During the game, you threw for 316 yards. Your yards per rush were 3.16. Your yards per completion were 31.6. The ratings for the game were 31.6. And the time of possession was 31.6. And during the game, 90 million people had already Googled John 3.16, and it was the number one trending thing on Facebook and Twitter. And a lot of people will say, it's coincidence. I say, big God. So how many of you saw that on Facebook? 
recently? No? Not many? All right, so what's crazy is, you know, I was the biggest critic, to be honest with you guys, of Tim Tebow. Um, I, I thought he was overrated. I didn't think he was all that great, on and on. But, man, the dude used his platform for the kingdom of God. I mean, the most important thing to this guy, no matter, like, how high up he would get, was, man, he, he wasn't, like, disrespectful in your face about it. He was just being him, and he was just being real and sincere about his relationship with Jesus, and he really wanted people to know Jesus, too. And he's a great example of how you can use your platform. Now, you might not have a platform uh, like Tim Tebow, or you might not have a world stage, but you've got something. And so let's close our eyes one more time. And I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to show you, hey, are you doing that? Are you using your platform for the kingdom of God? Or or, or are you just filling your own agenda or joining up with the enemy's agenda of division? So I'm going to pray over us guys. And man, if you want prayer for anything or if you want to stay or any of that stuff, you come up and we'll have some altar workers come up for prayer. Um. But throughout the week, I want to encourage you guys, start to take notice of what role you're playing um, in God. Is it God's vision or is it the enemy's vision? And don't be a part of division. So let's pray. Jesus, Lord, we want to be used. We want to be used by you. Lord, we want to influence people in a positive way and in a godly way. God, I pray that you would just show every person in this room the answer to that question. Have they been or are they being a part of division? Or are they doing what you've asked us to do? Are they helping you to bring down the kingdom of heaven and the the peace that comes from heaven, the unity that comes from heaven, and all, all the things we see when we get that snapshot of heaven? Are they being used in that regard? And then, Holy Spirit, I pray that you wouldn't, even, you wouldn't only show them that, but God, you'd give them the empowerment, you'd give them the grace to make the right decision in that area. Now, Jesus, I just pray over everybody. I know that there's a lot of people who are having exams. I know there's a lot of people um, who are kind of nearing that break for school and a lot of testing going on. Lord, I pray that you would help them there. God, I pray that you would help them to focus. Lord, I pray that you would help them to focus to study on tests the whole nine yards. And Jesus, I pray that you would just keep everybody in here safe and that over this week people would grow in their relationship with you until we meet again next week. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you.